0: By the way, it is a fascinating study as to what Yeshua physically might have looked like mm-hmm. uh, in his physical appearance. Obviously, God doesn't put that much emphasis on it. Um, in fact, even in the faith, um, for all of those that come into the kingdom, God does not assert that you, if you're native born of Jacob, that you get one set of things versus uh, the, the Gentile the non-native born, the alien sojourner. Uh, we hear some of that language in the, on scriptures, but really what it was addressing at that time was not the ethnicity, not the biological ethnicity. It was talking about do you believe in the God Of Israel? Do you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because other nations tended to be idolaters and believe in other gods. And so the references that you hear in Scripture to aliens and sojourners is you're talking about a people that came out of a land where they worshiped idols. And whereas God is emphasizing to worship Him, Um, I can assure you that in the kingdom, Um, we will not be divided up or asserting our biological ethnicity or true physical heritage. Uh, We will be asserting that we have been adopted in and that we all believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and therefore we are descendants of Abraham by adoption or the doctrine of election, as the scripture teaches to us. So all this business of asserting a certain physical identity, biological identity, whatever. To tell you the truth, it's all red wheels. It's meaningless in it compared to what the Scripture really talks about. So my, rep, my counsel, my recommendation is just kind of steer clear there. Stick with what the Lord has to say. In the scripture and you do have an identity you are of the seed of abraham through the messiah and that's all you need to know and that's all we need to assert and and through adoption we would end up with jacob's flock that just looks that's like right. any you, you want to be adopted you, in the kingdom you, it's actually better than being native born you know and so to be chosen by the father right. is far better for you in terms of blessings and inheritance so in the whole family of israel there can be chair have a seat today
1: i'm going to be traveling down a road that i have been wandering around and have never shared before and i looked up a bunch of new data and let's get going that clip that you heard talks about adoption right of course it explains a lot to me right They've been bragging about how they've done this and that for thousands of years, and they come from this royalty, and look, we can trace them back to the Middle Ages, and blah, 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 blah. Well, I think the reason, and go go listen to the show that I did about embryo adoptions. I did it in the last month or two. It's right in the title there. I think there's a very specific reason why they never bothered to tighten the rules, as far as adoptions in this country, especially the adoptions around embryos. I just got into a group over on um, Facebook. I don't know if you, if I talked about it before, but I had tried to get into a Facebook group when I found out oh, a year or two ago that they were using embryos for adoptions. And um, yeah, I don't know why, but they kicked me out and um, <laughs> I didn't even do anything. And then I was banned for community purposes for some reason. It was the only place I tried to get into, and somehow I got kicked out. So anyway, so um, yeah, so I checked recently at uh, Facebook, and they let me back in again. And I didn't do anything tricky. I mean, I didn't go to the effort that I did on the Ramses to get into the system, okay. All I did was sign up for a new Facebook account, and they let me back in again. So I applied to go to an embryo group, and they let me in, which was pretty surprising considering that I have no profile picture or anything. But anyway, so yeah, interesting stuff. So let me just wander around here for a bit. They're trying to tell us in all kinds of ways that they're descendants and they're this and they're that. And keep in mind, right now, in times, whatever you want to call it, they are recruiting for Satan, right? So do they really care who they get on their team at this point? Probably not. That's why I've been saying that they probably have some sort of mutant class for a lot of us, right? And just a lot of things that have been rolling around in my head. Like, for example, autism. People think that and believe that autism comes from vaccines. I did, too. Did it? Well, let me talk about that in a minute here. Um, I was looking up migration, okay, because... Considering we're looking at, like, the last three or four generations, probably I could come up with a date by studying migration. And there's a tricky word, word for migration. It's called diaspora. D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A. What's diaspora? Well, it started with the Jews. <laughs> dysphora has been a common phenomenon for many people since antiquity. But what is particular about the Jewish instance is the pronounced negative, religious, indeed metaphysical connotations typically attached to the dispersion and exile. So, um, yeah, the Jews have been getting supposedly exiled from different countries, right? And um, so in looking at maps, I can pretty much start to track where they went, where they came from, and also some of these diseases that I believe they are self-inflicting with hormones. Um, For example, um, they use other programs they call POGRAMS, P-O-G-R-A-M-S. That is to get rid of people, okay? And um, so they have been using um, organized massacres of particular ethnic groups. And they always say it's always the Jewish, right? And they point out that, in particular, Jewish people in Russia or Eastern Europe in the late 19th and 20th centuries. Well, let me back up here a second because um, I'm kind of focusing around eighteen nineteen, no higher than 20th century, okay? And where they get this idea of, uh, oh, let me let me tell you something from the last show. Um, Talking about diamonds and stuff, where did we see a lot of diamonds and jewels? How about the
0: Egyptians?
1: (laughs) Diamonds and jewels. Who became a big group here? Well, the Italian mafia, right? And then they brought in the FBI. So anyway, so let me get back here. It comes from the migration of Jewish people into Africa, Europe, and Asia became known as the Dysphora, from a Greek Greek word meaning the scattering. Individual Jewish groups began to create their own temples and appoint leaders called rabbis. Okay, so the English term Dysphora, which entered usage as late as 1876, and the Hebrew word Galat, those covering a similar somatic range, bear some distinct differences in connotation. So anyway, so I started looking first at, um, there's a lot of diseases that I believe that they are giving themselves, okay? Now, are they giving us some of them? Yeah, of course there's always that possibility, right? But I also believe that because they consider themselves the chosen ones, that with all this hormone experimentation... I believe probably two or three generations ago, they started these tests on themselves, okay? And then those tests fanned out out to the rest of us, and I can explain more about that later, how I figured that out, basically through tracing old known photographs and stuff, right? Not of old buildings, okay? So anyway, so yeah. so. Yeah, I'll get back to that later. But first, let me explain why I'm looking into this area. And I'm not really even completely sure why I'm looking. I'm just bringing you along because if I get past this point and onto something else, you won't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So, (laughs) So buckle up. Here we go. Okay, so what I started doing was I pulled a bunch of maps showing where they distributed themselves through, okay? And then I also pulled some maps of where some of these diseases are being centered in. and I can see some real, real parallels here. And I will make these maps available. Go over to YouTube after you hear the show. Uh, it'll take me an hour or two after you hear the show to post them on YouTube. And on YouTube, look for the show and I will post a PDF file with all these maps to take a look at. It would help if more people than myself would have some interest in looking around because I only have a couple of pretty badly set eyes. So. Okay, so let's first talk about a lot of these diseases. I have been following their diseases for a really long time, and I believe a lot of them are hormone infested. And how do I know that? Well, there's a lot of diseases that happen to do with the uh, nervous system, things like multiple sclerosis, um, ALD, things where they shake and stuff, right? And then other diseases that are possibly from hormones, diabetes. There's two forms of diabetes, and I'll get to that. And so they're giving themselves a lot of diseases, and from that we can start to track their population. At least that's my hope here, right? So first off the bat, we've got multiple sclerosis, okay, that's a neurological disease, right? And what you do, if you want to verify what I'm saying, type in multiple sclerosis and then add hormones to that, and I'll be giving you some examples here, okay? So I'm looking at a map that shows the area of multiple sclerosis, okay? This helps me to identify, there's a lot of testing going on in these areas, right? So the United States is lit up like a red map, high cases of multiple sclerosis. We've got Canada in here, we've got Norway, Sweden, um, Spain. We've got quite a few reference points here of people that are coming up with multiple sclerosis in these different parts of the world, okay? So that starts to tell me something about different hormone tests. Then another disease, um, because they've been, they've been doing the, uh, let me back up here, and this is a problem. If I don't get to you early enough, then it could be confusing. So let me back up here. They have been identifying the Ashkenazi Jews as having a lot of diseases, okay? And I'm going to be looking at some of those diseases. So what they're doing now is they're just now becoming aware of all these diseases. So they're trying to get word out to these other Jews that these diseases need to be tested for before they go on and have children. Well, it's a big mess, Okay. Another big disease they talk about is Prader-Willi syndrome, P-R-A-D-E-R, Willi syndrome, okay? What does that disease do? I think this disease may be buried where people are getting type 2 diabetes. Okay, wait a second here. I just saw a, no, oh, it wasn't my court. Anyway, um, okay, prader willis syndrome, okay? It is a Genetic Disorder Due to Loss of Genes in Chromosome 15. It was first described in 1887. It was named after a person in 1956. 70% of cases are inherited from the father. It affects 1 in 20,000 people. Symptoms, weak muscles, poor feeding, Physical defects and delayed development. No cure available. Drug and hormonal therapies can help the outcome. Some of the complications are type 2 diabetes, intellectual deficits, and infertility. It needs to be diagnosed by a physical examination and genetic analysis. Okay, so out of that one, Now, I'm not saying that everybody's getting type 2 diabetes has this disease because a lot of it has to do with sugar intake, right? Um, Because there's two types of diabetes. We have the type 1 diabetes that people are born with and the type 2 diabetes that they get by living and being fed from these people, right? Um, Type 2 diabetes, part of what you might know about that is um, I think it was accelerated when they started putting fructose into food, corn corn syrup and fructose. Because as I understand it, fructose processes through our liver, and real sugar just does something else. But I'm not saying real sugar is good, bad, but the danger to a high fructose diet, which is the American diet essentially. And that got exported to the rest of the world because fructose also made the packaging more stable, the food more stable. So I would say probably 89% of things on the shelves around here have high corn fructose in it. So, yeah, that corn attacks our livers is where that's going. So, but, so are some people getting type 2? Could be confusing, right? Um, but there's also other diseases that are falling out of this thing. Because, remember, they're not really looking at how these things might be intermingled, right? Okay, Prater-Willis, um, for example, the, a lot of famous people, Katie Price, a lot of famous people have had children that have Prater-Willis syndrome, okay? So, yeah, just look for celebrities with Prater-Willis syndrome syndrome children pws okay and that's where i started looking at these diseases from because i started noticing all these people are getting diseases right okay let me give you an example of her son that was born it wasn't born by her it had to be born by somebody else right because she's a man model katie price is mom to harvey harvey was born in 2002 and was diagnosed with prater syndrome. A genetic condition caused by the loss of certain genes. Autism and blindness are a result of this, can be a result of this, okay? So here we've got autism in the picture, right? Now, they were tell it, trying to tell us that autism is directly impacted from vaccines, is it? Well, I mean, it's not impossible to think in this country, which has such a high usage of vaccines for children, it wouldn't be impossible to think that certain things were put into vaccines that were for this population here, right? So there could be some infliction of autism through the vaccines. There also could be some infliction of autism through this Prater-Willi thing because of missing hormones. See where I'm going with this? So autism, the simple answer isn't the vaccines, right? The simple answer is not there. So. Scientists have discovered that children who later develop autism are exposed to elevated levels of steroid hormones, for example testosterone, progesterone, and cortisol in the womb. The finding may help explain why autism is more common in males than females but should not be used to screen for the condition. See, they don't really screen for autism. Autism has developed a whole industry of people that become autism experts. So if your kid has any little problem and you take him to one of those autism experts, it's about the money, right? So be careful because they may tell you your kid's got autism and they may not, so. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think autism is probably gonna happen to more children of the population who were flipped in vitro. Because see, I think they're flipping their own babies either in the womb or immediately upon birth. Those are the babies that they're creating using embryos from a natural woman, right? So, and then this whole level of this Jewish garbage with it—they're they're recruiting for Satan. These people are freaks. Do they have some way of going hibajiba hibajiba? The baby's now a Jew. I mean, come on. Okay, they're just recruiting for Satan. So let's not confuse that. Another thing that falls out of these studies that I was looking at. Down syndrome, you know, Down syndrome where babies don't function well. I think we used to think that um, that was predominantly other birth defects, could be hormone related. Um, For example, I pulled up a map, and like I said, I hope you'll take a look at these maps. If I find that nobody wants them references, then I will stop producing them. But if you find them useful, then I will produce PDF files of these more complicated subjects. Okay, so prevalence of autism in children under five. Well, interestingly enough, we've got the U.S. isn't the leader in autism. Who's the leader? Well, much higher groups of children in Mexico and South America region. Much higher in Canada. Um, top of Africa, much higher. Australia and New Zealand. I think Australia and New Zealand are part of this thing that the United States is. But I'm just thinking not gonna go there this second. Okay, so okay, so because I'm looking at these maps and I keep seeing they're getting hit in all these areas, right? Mm -hmm. So type one diabetes is definitely from hormones, okay? And then I look at the type one diabetes under children, and I get a whole new picture, right? It shifts there. It shifts to the USA, it shifts to Canada. And the light goes up bright in Australia, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden area. Yeah, so there's some distinct areas that we can see where these populations, and this was as of 2011, that children are being born with type 1 diabetes. Okay, type 1 diabetes generally appears before the age of 40. I think they can pretty much tell close to birth. Um, Type 2 generally appears after the age of 40. Um, Yeah, type 1 is the one that you get from your birth. Type 1 diabetes causes the level of glucose in your blood to become too high. It happens when your body can't produce enough of a hormone called insulin, which controls blood glucose. You will need daily injections of insulin to keep your blood glucose levels under control. Is diabetes a hormonal imbalance? Yes, hormonal imbalance in a person influences the blood sugar levels, which is associated with diabetes mellitus. Diabetes 1 is referred to as diabetes mellitus, M-E-L-I-T-U-S. Hormones are responsible for the movement of glucose from the bloodstream and into the cells. Sometimes this imbalance of hormones leads to abnormally high levels of glucose causing diabetes, a chronic condition where the pancreas produces little or no insulin. This causes increased thirst, frequent urination, hunger. Sudden weight loss or weakness. The other thing that I'll throw in here, that um, the other thing that helps when they make uh, that helps recruit to the Satan team, when we see a lot of sick children, is that typically what people first think of is, well, if I was if I was inclined to believe in a creator God, I would not right now because why would they let all these children be born sick? see how it works? Yeah, so um, it causes us to question things because I don't believe that the creator cranks out defective children. I think it's what's going on now. But you're going to have to decide for yourself. So, okay, let me look here get these more studies. Um, I looked at type 2 diabetes, which is one that is supposedly acquired from diet, okay. Where the map lights up there is not all that strong. I would have thought more in this country, but upper regions of the Africa thing got a lot of things. Um, So yeah, so type 2. And then I've been looking at, I think I'll get to these diseases down here. I started looking at immigration patterns, okay, so I, I, let me, let me finish with these diseases, it's complicated, okay, I believe they're getting self-inflicted by hormones. I'll let you take a look at some of these maps and stuff if you're interested. Hey, if nobody's interested, then I'll just keep going on my own, but I find it fascinating because I think we can learn a lot. I think we got here because we let these people be in charge for too long, right? we assume that evil didn't exist. So I'm interested in finding out how, exactly how they did that, especially when it comes to the children, the most vulnerable. So how did we get to this immigration thing here? Putting up the walls, the borders, the prison walls. So the first place I could find where they started enforcing immigration, because this is what we're looking for as a timeline, going backwards. How many generations do I think that they've been at us, right? And that's where we can start to find some timelines. So, in 1875, the Supreme Court declares that it was responsible for the federal government to make sure enforcement immigration laws. In 1880, as America begins to a rapid period of industrialization and urbanization, a second immigration boom begins. Between 1880 and 1920, more than 20 million immigrants arrived. Now, we also need to take a look at this number in reference to the overall population. If anybody's got a mind for numbers, let me know. can't do it all on my own. So, um, yeah, so we know that 1882, no, excuse me, 1880, look at all those eights there, right? In 1920... More than 20 million immigrants arrived. What was the year they dumped off all the immigration records? Wasn't that, um, didn't they have that fire on Ellis Island around 1880? (laughs) I don't know. Prior to 1880, any records exist? Who knows, right? So starting in to recruit for immigration, and I also read some really weird deals that through Europe, and I'll explain it when I get to the Scotland part. I'm very confused about immigration from Scotland because something really is screwy there. Um, because I had read that some people were buying passage to get to this country um, because I think that's why they probably had the potato famine and stuff. But anyway, so to force force people to leave their countries, you know, you starve them out, right? What are they doing now? Starving us out. <laughs> Yeah, so you get a bunch of people in Ireland starved out, no food, and they're forced to go to other countries, right? And it's always about bait and switch with these people. So I bet a lot of those people thought they were coming here to do things like run around California to gold mines and stuff, and they ended up in Appalachia, right? So, um, yeah, and I also read that some people thought they were buying passage here, but they got dumped off in Scotland. And Scotland should be a prime interest to all of us because, I don't know, they think the Civil War flag came from the Scottish. we got the Scottish people there. The Scots are part of Louisiana. It just gets crazy about the Scots. (laughs) I don't know why yet, but we'll get there somehow. So in 1776, they published a pamphlet called Common Sense that argued for American independence. Most colonists consider themselves Britons, but Paine makes a case for a new America. Europe, and not England, is the parent country of America. This new world hath been the asylum for the persecuted lovers of civil and religious liberty from every part of Europe. This new world hath been the asylum For the persecuted lovers, so they're saying people who didn't like it in Europe, who felt like they were persecuted, came here. Okay, I get this right now. Talk about jumping from the pan into the fireplace, right? Convince people in Europe they're being persecuted. Bring them here so you could persecute them for a few generations before you throw the prison walls up. Yeah, I got the plan here. Loud and clear, folks. Loud and clear. (laughs) Okay. yeah, so I'm going to get into that the 1880 date. Because I, I think the records were dumped up until that point, which makes this more interesting, right? March 1790, Congress passes the first law about who should be granted U.S. citizenship. The Naturalization Act of 1790 allows any free white person of good character who has been living in the United States for two years or longer to apply for citizenship. Without citizenship, non-white re- residents are denied basic constitutional protections, including the right to vote, own property, or testify in court. <laughs> okay, first census in the United States took place August 1790. But then I got to verify, I think they lost all those records on that fire at Ellis Island, but I really don't know. <laughs> so many fires in this country. So that gives the date to work for, but 1790, the first U.S. census takes place. The English are the largest ethnic group among the 3.9 million people counted, though nearly one in five Americans are of African heritage. Huh. So now we have our populations, right? So we if anybody has any brains toward math, please help me out here, because we need to analyze of the existing population any, anyway, you know, I know what we need to analyze, I just don't know how to get there. So, And I'm not going to get there because I have other things to think about. So if somebody wants to help me add some punch to this pie, then that's great. Okay, we had an Irish immigration wave in 1815. Peace is reestablished between the United States and Britain after the War of 1812. Immigration from Western Europe turns from a trickle into a gush, okay, which causes a shift in the demographics of the United States. The first major wave of immigration that lasts until the Civil War. Between 1820 and 1860, the Irish, many of them Catholic, accounted for an estimated one-third of all immigrants to the United States. Some 5 million German immigrants also come to the United States, many of them making their way to the Midwest to buy farms or settle in cities, including Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. 1819, many of the newcomers arrive sick or dying from a long journey across the Atlantic. The immigrants overwhelm major port cities, including New York, Boston, Philadelphia, and Charleston. In response, the United States passes the Steerage Act of 1819, requiring better conditions on ships arriving to the country. Yeah, get it together, ships. (laughs) We don't remember showing up here sick. See how cheap they are? They don't care these people are showing up sick. They care because they paid for them to get here, right? So people who owe you something are more likely to comply with what your little needs are, right? Everybody who arrived on those ships felt like they owed these monsters everything. Because when they arrived on these ships, they were hopeful. They were hopeful. They thought of a brand new future. Yeah, a future of eugenics, right? In 1849, America's first anti-immigration political party, party the No-Nothing Party, formed as a backlash to the increasing number of German and Irish immigrants settling in the United States. 1849, keep those Germans and Irish out. 1875, following the fake Civil War, some states passed their own immigration laws. In 1875, the Supreme Court declares that it's the responsibility of the federal government to make and enforce immigration laws. Bring those prison walls up. Bring them up. <laughs> that fake civil war. She brought a lot of things to play, didn't it? Okay, so. They had the Chinese Exclusion Act. 1880. As America begins a rapid period of industrialization and urbanization, a second immigration boom begins. 1880. Between 1880 and 1920, that's 20 million people arrived. Including... Including, perk up your ears, kids, four million Italians and two million Jews. Many of them settle in major US cities and work in factories. Eighteen eighty. They pa I jumped ahead, they passed this Chinese Exclusion Act in eighteen eighty two. Bars Chinese immigrants from entering the US. Okay, they had brought in people from China to work in garment factories, railroads, and I talked about the Chinese in that show I did about the um, Spanish flu. They were brought in supposedly to build the railroads. Anti-Chinese sentiment grew as Chinese laborers became successful in America. Although Chinese immigrations, immigrants may go 0.002 of the U.S. population, white workers blamed them for low wages. <laughs> now they're blaming the um, other workers, right, the service workers and stuff. They're being blamed for low wages. They're being blamed for, oh, they're being blamed for the cost of living going up because these people running, that work in these factories are just charging too much. <laughs> it's always about blaming everybody. Have you noticed how this culture has been shifting and morphing? I'm calling out this person is the title in the YouTube channel. So-and-so fights back. Yeah, they've been blaming people for a long time here. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how it works, right? Push the blame off on everybody else and so nobody looks at you? Okay, the 1891, the Immigration Act, further excludes who can enter the United States, barring the immigration of polygamists, <laughs> people convicted of certain crimes, and the sick or diseased. The Act also created a Federal Office of Immigration to coordinate immigration enforcement and a Corps of Immigration Inspectors stationed at principal ports of entry. Okay, we got our obvious group in the first set of the prison walls, right? So we got to close that deal up. 1891. Keep them out. Keep them out. Okay, so Ellis Island opens. January, 1892. The United States' first immigration station opens in New York Harbor. The first immigrant immigrant process is Annie Moore, a teenager from County Cork in Ireland. More than 12 million immigrants would enter the United States through Ellis Island between 1892 and 1954. So, I'll I'll get back to the burning of the records after. (laughs) I just realized when I was reading this stuff, again, that, yeah. Something happened here. Some of these records went bye-bye. But anyways, okay. 1907, U.S. immigration peaks with 1.3 million entering the country through Ellis Island alone. So, 1907 there was a problem with Japanese workers. Um, They signed a gentleman's agreement and Japan agrees to limit Japanese immigration to the U.S. But then we started to hate them when World War... uh, Port Harbor, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to knock the microphone there. Okay, 1910, this is good. An estimated three-quarters of New York City's population consists of new immigrants and first-generation Americans. I just had a really crazy thought. I wonder if these immigrant boats that came in from other countries, I wonder how easy it would be to say, hey, you guys are, uh, you know, they pull the kids away from the families and tell the parents to go stand over there. Remember, these would be very easy people to control, right? You're on a boat. You're coming to this country. How hard would it be to separate the children from the parents? I mean, that would be, like, super easy, right? You separate the children from the parents. And so when you get here, you process them through two separate little sections. You have I, I have to look this up. Did they have a kid's section, adult section? Maybe. You process them through two separate entities. And then... When the parents come out, where's my kid? Well, your kid was sick, so we're not letting you have – you see how they could easily just snatch a whole bunch of kids at this point? It would not be that complicated because you got the control. You got the kids sitting in front of you. What would be to stop you to not give those people their kids? Well, we're sorry that your kid didn't make it. We took them over for inspection. And they tell every parent that. Same thing they did with the orphan-trained kids, right? Make every parent think it was your your, your kid that we captured. I could see that happening quite easily. 1917, xenophobia reaches new levels. I wonder who created that. Um, the Immigra- Immigration Act of 1917 establishes a literacy requirement for immigrants entering the country and halts immigration from most Asian countries. I huh, wonder, wonder why they're halting things from Asia. Because they're getting ready to close them off and say they're communists? Okay, 1924, Immigration Act of – I'm not going to read you every one of these, just the important ones. Um, Limits the number of immigrants allowed into the United States through nationality quotas. Okay, so they're doing quotas. Okay, under the new quota system, the United States issues immigration visas to 2% of the total of people – oh, I don't know. And then the I don't know. Uh, the law, this is interesting. The law's favorite immigration from northern and western European countries, just three countries, Great Britain, Ireland, and Germany, account for 70% of all available visas during this time, during this act, okay? Looks like a little bit of population control to me. Okay, 1924, in the, in the wake of the numerical limits established by the 1924 law, illegal immigration to the United States increases. And that was the same year they established the U.S. Border Patrol. Keep us locked up within our borders. They're going to be enforcing borders soon, you know. Soon we will have borders with this country spot checks, borders. Yeah, it, it, it's coming. It's coming. It's just a matter of time. Okay. Yeah, in 1942, they started bringing in Mexico's with a Bracero program. That I can pronounce. It's in Spanish. That program lasted until 1964, and they did that because of the World War II. Um, this country is always really nice to people when they need them, aren't they? They want to come in and work like slaves. Okay. They only excluded the Asians, stopped excluding the Asians in 1952. Uh, And here we get with the Hungarians coming in here. The gypsies are dancing their way in. 1956 to 1957, the United States admits roughly 38,000 immigrants from Hungary after a failed uprising around the Soviets. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that was the reason why, right? (laughs) I'm just real sure it was. This is a good one, 1960-62. Roughly 14,000 unaccompanied children flee Fidel Castro's Cuba and come to the United States as part of a secret anti-communism program called Operation Peter Pan. Yeah, I think the deal with the boats and bringing immigrants over here, perfect, perfect vehicle for snatching children. I mean, really, what exactly? First of all, they wouldn't snatch the children until the boats already docked, right? They get you to a foreign country. All of a sudden, your kids are gone. I, what? <laughs> what's anybody going to do, right? Into the claws of evil they have come. That's probably what that flame means at that Statue of Liberty. Give us your weak and your tired so they can be devoured. Okay. Um, then they entered a quota system in 56, uh, 65. This stuff is just not important to talk about. Um, so... They did another quota system, um, and they started letting people in, but I don't know what that means. Another significant one was uh, April to October of 1980. There was a huge boat lift out of Cuba, 125,000 Cubans. They were come to Florida shores. What happened to all those Cubans? Those Cubans were already flipped and they let them come on boats to come over here? (laughs) That's probably what happened. They probably started sending those populations of people they had flipped to these other countries, right? Now, I'm just guessing, obviously, right? So, uh, I don't know, they granted immunity a few times here and there. Um, I don't know. I think that, uh, let me look at these maps. Let me look at these maps. Okay, well, I, I looked at several categories of people and um, that dysphora, right? I was talking dysphora. That's what you call people who get scattered around, okay? I first looked at the Jews, okay? And um, off of that map, and here again, look for the maps over on the thing. And let me know if you get the, you you can have whatever name you want on YouTube. I'm not going to bother you. If you want to make any kind of comments or if you want to go look for these maps. And if I find that people find them helpful, I'll keep doing more of them. But if I find that nobody wants them, then why would I bother? So... (laughs) Just because I find it fascinating doesn't mean you have to. Um, so let's first look at the map of the Jewish people around the world and where they spread out to, okay? Um, so we start Israel. Where is the map the darkest here, okay? Well, that would be by far the United States, number one Jews in this country from our wherever they came from. Okay, the next big area we've got, Russia. Another big area, Australia. We've got, um, it's right above Spain there, some areas around that region. We've got parts of um, South America enter the picture in Mexico. But the brightest one on this thing was the amount of people who came from Israel, wherever they were saying they came from, hit the United States. United States, Russia, uh, Australia, South America. Yeah, that's where that group went. Okay, then, and yeah, why I'm looking at only things? Sometimes you just don't know, right? Italy. Okay, where did people from Italy disperse to? Well, <laughs> here again, the brightest map of all is the United States. Also, parts of South America. Which makes perfect sense because remember all the World War II stories they told us about all the fake Nazis that supposedly ran off to South America? Well, it looks like they went to the United States and parts of South America the most, okay? That was where the largest scale of the Italians went. The first diaspora of Italians began around 1880, two decades after the unification of Italy and ended in the 1920s to the 1940s. Poverty was the main reason for immigration. Yeah, starve them out, right? Specifically, the lack of land as property became subdivided over generations. Especially in southern Italy, conditions were harsh until the the 1860s. Most of Italy was a rural society with many small towns and cities and almost no modern industry in which land management practices, especially in the South. Okay, so um, it was not easy to convince farmers to stay on the land and to work the soil. So that's where they split off to, okay. Then I looked at the Irish. Where'd the Irish go? Well, <laughs> here again, United States, Canada, and a heavy area in Australia. And yeah, so that fans them out between there. The Great Famine of Ireland during the eighteen forties saw a significant number of people flee from Ireland excuse me, free from the island to all over the world. Between eighteen forty one and eighteen fifty one as a result of death and mass immigration, mainly to Great Britain and North America. Ireland's population fell by over 2 million. So um, the Kennedys explained that the common argument of the mass immigration from Ireland was being a flight from famine. They said it was not entirely correct. They said that the, the Irish had been helping the British build canals, and so that's what they went to do. But no, I think they've got to start out. So... Um, Irish people at home were facing discrimination from Great Britain based on the former's religion. Evictions only increased after the repeal of the British Corn Laws of 1846. I'm just really looking for dates here. Um, uh, <coughs> always about the gold, right? Okay, so, um, um, more was to be gained by immigrating to America from Ireland. Okay, let me read this. Sentence. This is very significant. They got they were buzzing around Britain and stuff, and then it looked like a better deal to come to this country, right? Evil coming packages help. Okay, so more was to gain by immigrating to America from Ireland because in 1948 gold was discovered. Boy, they really used that gold to move people around, didn't they? Okay, so next I looked at because. The other group of massive amounts of Jews was in Russia. So where did the people from Russia go? Well, interestingly enough, actually the highest concentration would be the United States. (laughs) Second high concentration here would be the South America and Mexico region and Canada. And the Russians also moved around, close around the Norway and Italy area. So, yeah, but the Russians did not end up in New Zealand or Australia like some of the other populations did. For this one population, Russians did not end up in those areas. The Russian diaspora is a global community of ethnic Russians. They... Um, the number of ethnic Russians living outside the Russian Federation is Are you okay? My dog is panting next to me. <laughs> okay. The number of ethnic Russians living outside of Russian Federation is estimated at between 20 and 30 billion people. The largest overseas community is the United States. Okay, the largest, okay, Communities of Russians outside of the form are found in Germany and in Israel. The largest population of Russians who speak outside of Russia, Germany, and Israel. And also, in addition, Canada, Australia, Argentina, Brazil, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Uruguay, and Venezuela. Also, Russian spots. Now, look at Germany. This was very interesting. (laughs) <laughs> not surprising of course but you have to look right the German dysphoria consisted of German people and their descendants who, who now live outside of Germany ok um, they, they I don't know if I had a uh, I, I'll just look at the map and tell you um, the areas that the map lit up from Germany surprise surprise the United States second hottest spot um, a lot of them ended up in Canada. Next hot area, a lot of them ended up in South America. Hardly anybody in Africa. Yeah. Um, actually, some ended up up in Russia, but not to the degree of the other states. So, here again, where'd they end up? Well, <laughs> just a few places, right? But the German population... Didn't end up really brightly in um, um, Australia it isn't as bright as the rest of the, world, but it's still there, it's still there, okay Australia has when me see probably about plus a hundred thousand and the us has probably plus ten million it, it, there's there's quite a few there. there's quite a few there. okay, let's look at the Irish. Where did the Irish go? well, Um, the settlement of English in the North Island, uh, we don't care about that, in the deep deep south, okay, Um, the Irish mainly land in the United States, Canada, um, a light amount, actually, in Mexico. I think I had read that people also immigrated through Mexico. They found it easier to get to Mexico and then come across the border, and that's why, like, in Mexico... Um, There's a large population of Chinese and Mexicans, but supposedly they just did make across the border. But the Irish, interestingly enough, another hot spot for the Irish, here again, Australia. Hot spot for Ireland. As hot as the United States and Canada. Lots of people from Ireland went to Australia. Okay, um, it says that it was recorded since, I'm not going to go into some general ages. as recently, in the second half of the 19th century, most Irish immigrants spoke Irish as their first language. So, yeah, I think that we've got something going with these maps. And then I looked at Spain, because, you know, Spain, they're talking about 1492 and Columbus and all that kind of garbage. Well, Spain wasn't all that significant. Um, there's a lot of people here from Spain in this country, but here again, Right below this country, as far as Spanish population, is Australia. Lots of lots of people from Spain went to Australia, um, and not as many went to New Zealand. But Australia is here in the picture again, pretty close to these other countries. I'm seeing patterns. And you know, I'm seeing that you know the United States, Canada, and then we got Australia. So we start to I started to track in my own head where these people are going from. Right, it said um, the Spanish diaspora is concentrated in places that were part of the Spanish Empire. Countries with sizable populations are Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so yeah, and to a lesser degree, Brazil, Haiti, the Philippines, United States, Canada. So yeah, it looked like they went to that South America region. Which makes perfect sense, right? Okay, I don't know. It looks to me like it looks to me like South America is mainly for them. And I pulled up some stuff about the Chinese. I, I don't really know what to do about this one. Um, ways of Chinese immigration, also known as Chinese diaspora, is what you're looking. D I A S P O R A. Use that word in your key terms. The mass immigration from China, which occurred from the 19th century to 1949, was mainly caused by corruption, starvation, and war in mainland China. And economic opportunities abroad, such as the California gold rush in 1849. Do you think by any chance they use these gold rushes and stuff to lure people into their trap? (laughs) Uh, By the way they lured the people in Australia there um because there was a gold rush. So yeah. Gold rushes are pretty common with these gold rushes, fires, you know, that kind of stuff. Um and then I looked at what I call their dancing cousins in Romania. Well <laughs> yeah, they're all over this place. Um so yeah, we got a lot of people from Romania here. Um and which is interesting is the word gypsy has come from the word Egyptian. You know all those fake jewels and all that gold and all that stuff they showed us about Egypt. That is just the backstory to rob us now with this stuff, right? I hope I hope you're catching that part of it. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I think they migrate all around. The, where the Roma people went, the Gypsies, their number one location was Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria, Spain, and Russia. Interesting, huh? Yeah, so they really um, they really went to a lot of different areas. So, so then I looked at where the people from Turkey go. Well, the people from Turkey, here again, they ended up in um, the United States, a big swatch in the South America area, up around this Spain in that area, and in Australia but not as many quite in Australia as the United States, but still, in Australia. Bulgaria, another gypsy place, right? Heaviest concentration. Spain, United States, and a couple places up in Europe, and lowest concentration. South America, parts of Russia, parts of Canada, and a little bit less in Australia and a little bit less like on the tip of Africa. And I will include this in the thing for you to take a look at if you're interested. Something is happening in Scotland. Why? I have no clue. How the dysphora from Scotland worked is a hot mess (laughs) that I don't even know where to get started with. But they went all over the place, okay? Um, they immigrated heavily into New Zealand. I mean, the Scots were everywhere. And I just did not have the time today to pick them apart because it is intense, this map of Scotland. Where they all ended up, I don't know. Because remember, supposedly, they also ended up in, they were very big, the Scot were very big in New Orleans, huge in New Orleans. Um, New Orleans is where that Dick's money came up with. Um, the Scots were supposedly involved with the map, uh, the flag design for the Civil War. So there, something is in Scotland that's going to take a whole lot more work than just a casual run through a city. So where is this all going to go? Well, I think what they're doing right now is... Um, There's a couple different layers of babies that they're producing. What they're probably doing is they're breeding, I don't think the um, Jewish population has been having their own children for at least the last generation or so. That has been farmed out to people who can carry those babies, because I believe they likely started experimenting on themselves to begin with. And I'll give you more dates and stuff to look at later, but yeah. I've been looking at this for a long time, so I'm just trying to give an overview of where I've been going. Um, Yeah, I think they've been um, not able to have children of their own for a long time. So, this whole thing that I've been thinking about with the military, the hospitals, moving the babies around and stuff, it it will make a lot more sense if you look at it this way. And the babies they are having, they're giving them a tremendous amount of diseases. So... um, you know I guess the competition is to they're trying to be creators of their own bodies so yeah I'm not going to keep going on this thing I just want to get you up to date with where I'm going with this and uh, yeah it's horrible for the children so I don't know I think that they're just they're using us for breeding children I'm pretty sure they haven't been able to have children for at least probably two generations on their side okay so that enters into a whole bunch of different questions right Um, so I believe they're using our children to breed for their children, and I think their children that they're having through surrogates or whatever, I think those children are getting flipped right at birth, okay? Or, I'm not so sure about all the in vitro stuff. Maybe. I don't see these people as all that skilled, okay? So, maybe. Um, but I think that they're doing that to the children, and, um, then to the other children that aren't part of this Jewish group that they're... I think they just use the word Jew as like a Satan recruiter, okay? I don't think they really care how they get there, okay? So let's say if they get a bunch of kids to flip their own bodies like they're doing on YouTube right now. Um, let's say that those kids, they're all being harmed, okay? I follow, I, I know who most of those kids are. They're all being harmed. If they're not harming themselves to bad decisions because no adults are helping them, Society is harming them by making fun of them now, okay? So um, they're making drastic decisions. You know, they think they should get these surgeries, and these surgeries are leading them down horrific outcomes as far as medical conditions. So, yeah, that whole thing with flipping the children, because remember, maybe those children, all this stuff starts with this religious stuff about, well, God didn't tell you what you are born. They talk about things like you're assigned a birth, that, that there was some confusion about what sex you are, right? So they can really use that to play off a lot of things. So let's say now they're getting a lot of kids to think that they need a penis or they need to do this or that. Well, a lot of these kids are deciding that was a very bad idea. That's why they want to get them young. So I think that could also help recruiting for Satan because I imagine if I was a kid, And decided to do these drastic surgeries, thinking it was going to make me feel better. And in the end, I was even more unhappy. Would I blame the creator or God? Yeah, probably. I mean, see how this recruiting thing could work at a lot of angles. So anyway, so I'm just thinking out loud here. And I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It's really kind of a hot mess, right? So anyways, be safe out there. Goodbye for now.